Here's my question of challenge for you tonight. What is it that's broadening the gap between the truth that you've heard in these days and you're actually applying the truth to your life? So many times we hear great truth and there seems to be this gap that develops between the truth we hear and living out the truth in our lives. So my challenge is for us to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Well, last night, ladies, you and I spent some time together talking about that beautiful subject of submission. We, what's the giggles for? We, we talked about what submission is not, and we talked about what submission is according to God's word. And ladies, I gave you some homework last night. I said to go home and ask your husband how you could show him better your desire to be a submissive wife. How many of you ladies went home and did your homework? Amen. There's more ladies than guys that did their homework. I'm proud of you ladies. Proud of you for doing that. Amen. I know that that's not easy to do. When, when we have those kind of conversations, it makes us very vulnerable. And I understand that. Thank you for your willingness. Everybody should have this piece of paper that says, Meeting Your Husband's Greatest Need. Meeting Your Husband's Greatest Need. So if you go ahead and pull that out tonight. We're going to talk about being God's woman and meeting His greatest need. Go ahead and open in your Bible to Ephesians chapter We're going to start in verse 31 here in just a moment. We're continuing with this theme of one life, one God, one glory. God gave us all this one life to live under the authority of Him and Him alone for the purpose of His glory and His glory alone. Here's our family truth tonight. A woman of God understands and receives with great joy her calling to meet the needs of her husband. A woman of God understands and receives with great joy her calling to meet the needs of her husband. Guys, I don't know about you, but I've got one of these ladies that supports me in everything that I do. She's kind of my cheerleader in my corner. And all of us really desire to have that kind of person in our corner. Watch this video with me. Nonetheless, gold for Canada. And watch Marianne Saint-Gelais watch her boyfriend, Charles Amlin. Tanya Vincent also cheering. not knowing what was going on and now realizing that Charles had made it to the finish line in one piece Canada has a gold medal in men's short track the Olympic champion for 500 meters is Charles Amlan and now trying to get down to find her bow. <laughs> Let me ask you, is there anything in the world that that man couldn't do? 
with a supporter like that. What a beautiful thing to have somebody in your corner. And ladies, tonight we want to talk about how you can be your, your husband's number one supporter as you meet his greatest need. Now last night, or Tuesday night, ladies, we talked about the number one need of a wife. Men, can you tell me again what the number one need of your wife is? To feel loved. You're exactly right. Well, tonight we want to talk about meeting the number one need of your husband. Now, ladies, without the help of the men, can you tell us what the number one need of your husband is? Respect. You're exactly right. That thing called respect. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening over here, but you got, you got Brother David going. <laughs> and what she said, I'm not asking. I'm not not asking. Let's talk about this thing called respect. Respect means to notice, to regard, to honor, to prefer, to defer to, to encourage, to love, and to admire. So ladies, tonight we want to talk about how you can practically fulfill this need of respect. Now ladies, I hear some of your, your minds turning right now. You're thinking, respect him? Really? I mean, I'll respect this man when he shows me that he actually deserves my respect because respect is something that you earn, right? There we go. Preach it. Then, <laughs> see, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 31 with me. Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 31. Paul says, Therefore... A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, interesting word, however, what Paul is saying is, let's end this discussion that we just had. Now let's talk about the key points that you need to hear in the discussion I just had. And this is the key point. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, Paul says that the mystery is profound. So what is the mystery that Paul's talking about here? The mystery that he's talking about is that the marriage is, should be a reflection of the relationship between Christ and the church. So, in this picture of the marriage, who, who represents Christ? The husband, you're exactly right. And who represents the church? The wife, you're exactly right. So in this context, ladies, the respect that you're told to show your husband is actually a command. The verb is used in the imperative form. It's, it's not an option, which means it's your responsibility to show your husband respect regardless If you think he deserves it. Now let's look at it from a a different perspective. Do you expect or do you desire for your husband to give you unconditional love? Well sure you do. You expect him to give you unconditional love. Well if you expect him to give you unconditional love. Don't you think that respect is something that should be given unconditionally as well? Sure. It's something that you're offering to him regardless of his ability to deserve it. 
There's this beautiful thing called the love respect cycle. Great book out here that explains it. But the love and respect cycle goes like this. If you as a husband aren't feeling respected, then in turn, you don't give love. And because she doesn't feel love, she in turn doesn't give you respect. And so you end up on this vicious cycle of destruction. Well, what if we decided we were going to reverse that cycle? And so I'm going to choose to respect my husband. And because he's feeling respect, he gives you love. And you now you're feeling love, so you give him respect. And now you actually are on a healthy cycle. I love this quote by Barbara Rainey. She says, when you respect your husband, you reverence him, notice him, regard him, honor him, prefer him, and esteem him. It means valuing his opinion, admiring his wisdom and character, appreciating his commitment to you, and considering his needs and his values. Ladies, as you evaluate your respect for your husband, I would encourage you to ask yourself these three questions. Number one, how do I think about my husband? What are the things that go through my mind about my husband? Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Are these the kind of thoughts that you have about your husband? Second thing I would encourage you to ask yourself is, how do I feel about my husband? How do I feel about my husband? Matthew 12 34 says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Third question, what do I do for my husband? How do I serve my husband? Proverbs 31, 13, you know the virtuous woman proverb. It says, the wife works with willing hands. Key word, willing hands. Your desire is to serve any way possible. Tonight, ladies, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you some practical handles on this thing called respect. How can you actually show your husband respect? Number one, respect him by honoring his leadership. Respect him by honoring his leadership. This means that you walk with him and not over him. Sharon James, she's the founder of the Girlfriends in in God, and she wrote this book called, called Becoming the Woman of His Dreams. And in writing this book, she did a survey of men, and this is what one of the respondents said. I've been shut up, shut down, ridiculed, disregarded, overlooked, overbooked, and overwhelmed. I know I was made for a reason. I know that in God's eyes, I count. So I simply want to find someone who believes in me. Ladies, God designed your husband to fulfill a purpose. Ecclesiastes 12:13 says, "The end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man." And ladies, he needs to know that you're walking with him and that you fully support him in whatever it is that God's called him to do. You help him live out this calling. You actually live out this calling with him. And you'll begin to watch your husband flourish. Because he knows that you're in his corner. Sharon James says this in her book. The woman of his dreams is one who submits to his leadership and authority in the home and in the marriage relationship. And then she goes on to say, just as men are called to be the head of the home, we are called to be the heart of the home. Notice, ladies, what it says. 
when we're acting like the head, it's hard to be the heart. Second way that we honor his leadership is by not expecting him to be God. Now, I hear you, ladies. You're going, Shane, if you lived with him for a day, you'd know he wasn't God. I understand that. You're right, he's not God. But a lot of times what can happen is you can expect him to meet all of your needs. Lee and I got married in 1995, and Lee's childhood was difficult. She saw a lot of difficult things in her childhood, and so... When I married her, it was as if I was rescuing her out of that life. And so, unknowingly, she took me and put me on this pedestal. I was her knight in shining armor. I was her great rescuer. The problem was, is I couldn't live up to that pedestal. And so what she had done, unknowingly, is she had set me up for failure. Because I couldn't live up to the standard. I couldn't meet all of her needs. Make sure that you do not expect him to be God. Second thing is you want to respect him with your prayers. Respect him with your prayers. This means that you're willing to pray for yourself. Pray that God would make you the woman of his dreams. Again, our marriages are not great when we find the right person. Our marriages are great when we decide to become the right person. Meaning it is our desire to, fill up, to fulfill the role that God has given us rather than trying to become the expert in our spouse's role. My suggestion would be for you to go through 1 Corinthians 13 like we talked about Tuesday night and loving others. And just ask God, God, how am I living out loving my spouse? Pray that God would show you how to respect him. Pray that God would give you grace and wisdom in the middle of a conflict. Pray for yourself when you're having a conflict with your husband. Notice I said pray for yourself. You're not praying, Lord, if you don't change this man. (laughs) You're praying, God, would you give me a heart of humility here? Would you help me to respond with gentleness and kindness and self-control? Pray for him. That's another great way to Respect him with your prayers is to pray for him. Pray that God would give him great wisdom and discernment. Ask him what his struggles are and then pray for him. Now, man, that means you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Remember, man, it's not about you. Be willing to show your weakness to her. I promise you she already knows you're weak. Be honest with her. Say, honey, I need help in these areas. There's no one in the world that will pray more diligently and more heartfelt for you than your bride. Pray for his friendships, lady. Pray that God would send godly men into his life. Men that will pour into him. Men that will lift him up and edify him. Ladies, can I tell you a secret? Most men are lonely. Because we think that we can fight this battle alone and we don't need anybody else. And we tend to isolate ourselves, though we know we desperately need other men on our team. Pray that God would guard him. That God would guard his heart and God would guard his eyes and God would guard his feet and his ears and his focus. Pray that God would guard him. 
Number three, you want to respect Him with your words. Respect Him with your words. This is where you are purposefully guarding your words through the filter of respect. So that you are actually helping your husband to become more respectable. This means that you're willing to refrain from complaining and rather add in complaints. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling. Ladies, this doesn't mean that your husband doesn't have issues. He's a sinner, right? He has issues. He's not perfect. But rather it means that you're choosing to look past them. Complimenting your husband will actually have a magnet effect for you. The more you compliment him, the more he will show you love. And the more he'll become attracted to you. Make a conscious effort to notice the things that he does and compliment them. Maybe he's just a great breadwinner. He, he provides for your family. He works hard. When's the last time you told him? Maybe he's really good with the kids. He's a great dad. When's the last time you told him? Maybe he's a great spiritual leader. When's the last time you said, thank you so much for praying for me and for reading God's word to me? When you do that, ladies, it just blows wind into the cells of your husband. What if he never compliments you? You compliment him anyway. Remember, that's the other's focused. I'm willing to be a servant to you in spite of you. It means that you're not, you don't laugh at his mistakes and, and speak down to him or belittle him when he makes a mistake. It means that you don't, you're not willing to compare him to other men, especially your daddy. He'll never live up to your daddy. You want to be careful with the tone of your voice. Be careful with the tone of your voice. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a, gent- but a harsh word stirs up anger. This is especially in the area of conflict. Remember, like I said earlier, you can be right, but yet wrong at the top of your voice. You want to be careful that your conversations aren't framed in sarcasm. When dealing with an issue or conflict, make sure that you don't use words like always. You always do this. Or words like never. You never take care of this. You also want to be careful in the way you use his name. Every time we have to talk about this, Steve, the tone of your voice speaks much louder than the words that you use. Another way that you respect him with the tone of your voice is being submissive to him when you can't reach a common decision or a common agreement. And you're willing to submit to his final judgment call and to honor him through that. Be careful not to talk down to him. Show him respect and honor even When he makes the wrong decision. You also respect him with your words by showing forgiveness. Greg spent a lot of time last night talking about the beautiful thing called 
forgiveness and forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us. Show forgiveness. Number four, you want to respect Him with your devotion to Christ. Respect Him with your devotion to Christ. Now ladies, there's a lot of focus in our world today on beauty. And I can't even imagine what it's like to live in this photoshopped, airbrushed world that you have to live in. All of these pictures of these beautiful women and you're wondering, they're not real? And you're right, they're not. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a female and try to live in that kind of world. But can I talk to you from the heart of a husband? My wife is the most beautiful woman in the world to me. But very little of that has to do with her physical beauty. Though I think she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Her beauty to me is is internal. It's because she understands the key of spiritual beauty. And because she desires to keep herself spiritually pure and spiritually clean, that radiates great beauty to me. A focus on spiritual beauty. First Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear. Does my wife keep her hair pretty? Yeah. Does she wear jewelry? Yes. Does she wear nice clothes? Yes. Do I think it's beautiful? Yes. But that's not the key. The key is, but let your adorning be hidden be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Proverbs 31, 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Next, you want to respect Him with your love. Respect Him with your love. How many of you are familiar with the five love languages by Gary Chapman? Some of you. I love Gary Chapman and the five love languages. Essentially, the five love languages say that all of us speak a different love language. And in order for us to feel loved, then somebody needs to speak to us in our love language. My love language is gifts. I give gifts to show love. And so if Lee is going to communicate love to me, then she does it with gifts. Well, that's not Lee's love language. Lee's love language is words of affirmation and acts of service. So if I give her gifts, she may come to me one day and she says, I just don't feel like you love me. And I'm going, what? I've been pouring gifts into you. What do you mean? I'm trying to show you that I love you. But she didn't receive it because that's not her love language. Let's look at the five love languages. Words of affirmation. How do you give words of affirmation? This is just leaving him encouraging notes. Calling him at the office just to say, I want you to know I'm proud of you. I love you. Thank you for all that you do. How about telling him that you love him in private and telling him that you love him in public? Words of affirmation. How about quality time? I call this shoulder-to-shoulder time. Now, ladies, quality time for you and quality time for your husband are two different things. Quality time for you is you sit down and you have this in-depth conversation. That's quality time to you. For your husband, you sit next to him, and for two hours you watch a football game and don't say a word. That was quality time to him. Now, not all men are made that way, but many of us are. 
And we walk away from that and we say to you, that was such a wonderful time. And you're thinking, we didn't say a word. But to him, it spoke volumes. How about gifts? Maybe his love language is gifts and you're going to leave him a dark chocolate on his pillow. Hint, hint. I love dark chocolate. My wife is good about that. She really is. Or maybe other little gifts to show him that you love him. How about acts of service? I think one of the best ways that you can live this out, ladies, is just managing your home well. Managing your home well. How about physical touch? Maybe you touch his shoulder. Maybe you hold his hand, give him a hug, pat him on his back, rub his shoulders. I like to call this shoulder to shoulder just a lot closer. (laughs) Number six, you want to respect him financially. Respect him financially. This means that you're willing to be content with your current financial situation. Dissatisfaction with your financial situation says to your husband that he has failed at providing for you in a manner that you had hoped to become accustomed to. You want to make sure that you avoid words like, I'm tired of always having second best. Or words like, when will we have the things that the Jones have? Or words like, when are you going to get a job where you make more money? Or words like, when are you going to get another job? Or words like, you know, I'd be happy if you just give me this. Phrases like this will pierce the soul of your husband. And it will cause him to feel like a failure. He will feel like nothing is ever enough. Philippians 4.12 says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to, be, how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and the hunger, abundance and need. Paul is communicating this beautiful picture of contentment no matter the circumstance of life. You also want to make sure that you're careful with your spending. Careful with your spending. Heard a story once of a gentleman. Got a phone call one day and the police officer on the other end says, Mr. Jones, I want to call and let you know we found your credit card. Apparently it had been stolen and we'd like to return your credit card to you. Mr. Jones says, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you willing to do that. You can just bring it over any time. He says, well, hold on just a minute, Mr. Jones. I'm a little confused because we recovered it But when we were doing our investigation, we noticed that the the credit card had been stolen over two years ago. And we can't find any report where you notified us that it had been stolen. So we're a little confused. He said, oh, yes, sir. I I knew that it was stolen. He said, I've still been getting the bills every month. And I just noticed that the thief was putting less on the card than my wife was. So I thought it was best that it stay stolen. That's not always the case. Let me give that disclaimer. If somebody's the greater spender in my home, it would be me. So that's not always the case, but you want to respect him with your spending. Then finally, you want to respect him with your body. Respect him with your body. This means that you're willing to respect him sexually. Ladies, I wish you could be standing where I am right now. It's like revival just broke out in all the men. They were dozing, and then all of a sudden, they're wide awake. Now, I saved this to the last because I knew if I did it from the, in the beginning, all the men would check out the rest of the night. They're like, I'm done. Brother, you've already hit the nail on the head. We don't need to talk about 
anything else. Ladies, this is the glue that holds many of the others together for your husband. Actually, it's probably the super glue. Song of Songs talks so much about this beautiful thing of intimacy. Chapter 4, verse 12 says, A garden locked is my sister, my bride, a spring locked, a fountain sealed. Verse 16, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden. Let its spices flow together in the garden of love. She let my beloved come to his garden and eat his choicest fruits. Chapter 5, verse 1, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Others eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. Chapter 6, verse 2, my beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens, and to gather lilies. Now with this picture of a garden in mind in the area of intimacy, Listen to Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. I passed by a field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Can you draw some parallels from this picture in regards to the importance of sexual intimacy in the marriage relationship? You must understand that sexual pleasure within the marriage bed is God's design. Genesis 2.23, God has just brought Adam, his Eve. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is a, a, a word of exclamation from Adam. He's saying, this is beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for what you've provided for me. Up to this point in history, there was no recorded words from Adam. But when God presents his, his Eve to him, he says, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Adam again was shouting an affirmation that he and this woman indeed were made of the same stuff. One of the translations puts it this way, at last, here is one of my own kind. God specifically formed your body and the body of your husband to come together for the purpose of beautiful and wonderful pleasure. So understand, because of the beauty of God's design, you want to make sure that you're willing to make yourself available to Him. Ladies, you're a battery charger for your husband. At the end of a long day, the stresses, the overwhelming aspects of the day, he comes home and he's worn out. You recharge him. And I mean that in the most beautiful way. You provide something for him that nothing else can. You want to make yourself available to him in the way that you dress. That means that when you're in public, you dress very modestly. But when you're at home, in the sanctuary of your room, you dress very tantalizing. You're showing him that you value him. You also want to make sure that you respond to him. Listen to me closely, ladies. There is something that your husband desires in the area of intimacy 
more than he desires anything else. Listen to me carefully. Your husband desires your fulfillment more than his own. He wants to know that he is the man that can take you to the moon and back. He desires your fulfillment. Respecting your husband by honoring his leadership with your prayers, with your words, with your devotion to Christ, with your love in the area of finances and finally with your body. Ladies, here's your homework. What areas do I need to work on to help meet your greatest need of respect? On the ends of the aisles, there should be a personal evaluation for wives. I'd, I'd encourage you ladies to get one of those. And in the next couple of days, just kind of go through that and then sit down and talk to your husband and ask him how you're doing. Also sit down with your husband and walk through these areas of respect and say, Honey, how do you think I'm doing in these areas? If you'll show your husband the respect he needs, you might be surprised at the love you begin to feel. One final quote, just like I gave the men. It is only when conviction has been translated into conduct that we have proof that the truth is mastering us.